All right, welcome to the fourth edition of the Stay Hot Podcast. This is your host, Patrick Kelch. Um, and this edition, we're going to take a trip down memory lane, uh, talk about the 1993 uh, Augusta Lady Panther basketball season with one of my favorite people and definitely uh, probably my favorite coach through high school who's always been a mentor and supportive of me going through the coaching ranks. And tonight we got on head coach Don Irvin of the 1993 Lady Panthers. And coach, I appreciate you taking time tonight on the opening night of the NFL season. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me tonight. It's always a pleasure to see you, Patrick. One of my favorite players. You know you were. Well, I, I, you know, we went through a tough stretch there when I played. And, you know, until you came and provided some support and stability, you know, you got the most out of us and we turned into a winning season. And, you know, that's something one of my favorite moments I always remember. But, you know, also one of my favorite moments was in 93 as a freshman at Augusta when district tournaments and district championships were hard to come by. You know, at that time, we only had one district championship on the girls' side, and that was 79. And I think they actually made the regional finals. So um, district championships were hard to come by, and you were fortunate enough to lead a – I wouldn't say a, a large army of players to a district championship <laughs> because when I watched the game this week, I think I saw seven or eight on the bench. But just think back in, you know, the preseason. When you started those girls that season, what were your expectations? Did you know you had a, a district championship caliber team? Did were you aware of that? What was the media's expectations of you guys? Or, you know, how was the preseason? Well, I knew when it came in that we had Rachel Hamilton. Rachel wound up being a 2,000-point scorer. So I knew I had a, a really good player in her. Uh, Dana Bach was coming back at guard. So anytime you got a point guard, you're, you know, you're feeling pretty good about things. Kathy Blevins, I believe, had just transferred in uh, to, to there. and uh, Kathy Cox, wasn't it? Kathy Cox. What did I say? Kathy Blevins. Kathy Blevins. We talked about her. We talked about her earlier. Yeah, Kathy Cox. She was one of our best fans, Kathy Blevins. I knew Kathy Blevins was one of our big fans, so I knew she'd be there. Well, she's but part Kathy of the team Cox, anyhow. Kathy Cox was there. Yes, yeah, she was, a, she was a, a really good shooter. She had transferred in at some point. Uh, Mandy Faye was a returning starter. She gave us some size and experience in the post. And then we had some freshmen and newcomers. We had like two girls that were freshmen, Amberly Appleman and uh, uh, Stacy Curtis. And then we just filled out the squad with whoever we had. Uh, Kathy Blevins' daughter, Angie Blevins, came out for ball for the first time. She was a good-sized girl, but she'd never played in her life. And then Krista Curtis uh, was eligible to play. She was like a seventh or eighth grader. And that was it. We had, we had the thin eight at that point. That was all we had on our ball team. And that's another question, you know, how, how do you practice with eight? You know, and I've coached some teams that only have 10 or 12, but I got enough to do five on five. Uh, how did you get enough in practice to kind of simulate what you may see on game day? Well, it, they don't really teach you that at clinics, you know. You have to go <laughs> learn that off, off, off your seat there. We did a whole lot of breakdown things like three on threes and two on twos and situations, four on fours. And then we played a lot of five on three where we said, yeah, there's two of you guys open. You don't get to shoot it. All you get to do is reverse the basketball. So the biggest thing I think hurt us with not having five was defensively. We did a whole lot of three on one side, two on another side, stuff out of offense. And, uh, but like you said, I'm not, not trying to brag or nothing, but you got to be inventive. You, you get into the old notebook and figure out some things uh, that you got to do to survive if you're going to try to win a ball game. Luckily, yeah, you I, get the I, ball I, in the right players' hands all the time and wind up making some good decisions. And I can't imagine only having eight. I mean, I struggle on the other side of it when you have, let's say, 12 or 13 there, and you're trying to get everybody in and try to develop every player on your roster. So, yeah, you have to dig deep in the notebook. You've got to be creative and inventive. And um, hats off to you to be able to do that because that's not hard to do. And Or, I mean, excuse me, that's hard to do. It's not easy to do. And um, you were able to do that and not only do that, but take eight girls and win a district championship at Augusta. And, um and we're going to talk about that season in general. But, um, you know, in the district or region, do you know where you all ranked in the preseason? I mean, I know they probably didn't do rankings as prominent as they do now. Now they mean everything. You know, no, no, no. everybody's got a preseason list nowadays. They mean everything. I don't even think they ranked anybody in preseason back then. They waited until Litton House or the Cantrell. I think Cantrell was just coming out about that time. But I know Litton House was the number one thing everybody paid attention so you had to wait till after Christmas to find out how everybody thought about you. Uh, well, and and to be honest with you, after Christmas is where you all kind of took off. You know, leading up to Christmas, 
You were five and eight to start. You started out kind of, you know, one and two, two and two. You start out with the district opponent. And I think nowadays Augusta still starts out with Deming. You started out with Deming in 93 at home, a decisive victory. Um, then you lost to Villa Madonna and Beachwood, um, beat Fleming County. You beat Pendleton, St. Pat, and you beat Lewis County for your five victories. But the one thing I want to talk about is your district opponents. Um, throughout the season, you all, um, we're four and two against district opponents and your only two losses were to Bracken County. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, but you know, in a district where, um, you know, Pendleton County is the largest school, then you got Bracken, then you got Deming and Augusta. Um, how big is it or how, I mean, talk about because Pendleton County being one of those larger schools, talk about how hard it is being the smallest school in the district and competing against those, those teams. I mean, you know, talk about Lewis County, Fleming County, those are teams that are significantly larger than Augusta. But you know what? Those girls I had, they didn't pay attention to size on that. They, they just knew they knew what they were able to do. And they if I was lacking any confidence some nights, I think they built into me. Rachel and Dana were just truly good leaders, truly, truly spirited girls. That they, they were going to compete with whoever it was. If it was a big county or small county or independent, it didn't matter. I remember I was worried because opening night, you're always apprehensive with a new team. And here I was coaching girls ball after I've been coaching boys for all that time. I didn't know what to expect. And they're like, coach, calm down. We got this, you know. So they did as much to instill confidence in me as, as I did them. And, you know, you mentioned Rachel Hamilton and Dana Bach. And, you know, Rachel may have only been, what, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, but she played like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, um, of course, I was fortunate enough to be – be around to watch at that time. So the things that she was able to do on the floor just simply amazed me with how hard she played, the grit, the hustle, the heart. I don't know if there's been a girl basketball player at Augusta, and this is no knock to any other player, but just to be able to get the most out of what she had, the ability to do what way, she did. A good way to describe her. I think you described her perfectly. She Every ounce of, uh, of potential she had, she got out of it. She wasn't the most skilled because you say, well, did she jump well? No, she's average. Was she a great shooter? No, she was average. Great handles? No, she was going to go right every time. But she'd get, she'd get the job done. She was going to fight you tooth and nail until she got the ball in the basket. And that's one of the things I noticed when I was watching a video this last week of the district championship game was how many times the ball was on the floor and Rachel would consistently fight or just outscrap two or three Bracken County girls to gain you another possession or to gain the team another possession. Um, but the one thing I also noticed is they tried their best to force her left. She's getting back to her right at all costs. It didn't matter if it was a spin move, uh, you know, just kind of back them down to where she could get to her spots. Um, Rachel Hamilton was a tremendous high school player, but I can tell you, you, you know, you mentioned Dana Bach, and we know as coaches that if you have a good point guard on the floor, a floor general, um, you're going to be okay. And Dana Bach was probably as good as a floor general as we've had at Augusta, you know, from 93 till now. You know, she's as good as floor general. So talk about Dana and what she meant to your team as far as the leader, the poise, you know, getting in offenses and so forth. Well, Dana get mad at me sometimes and wouldn't talk to me. I remember in the district tournament, and I love Dana because she fights and she knew she knew what we need to get done. But there's a couple of times that uh, uh, she just – I'd say come down here because if you notice that our benches were at the end zone back then for more to get more seating in. So it's like you'd be telling Dana to come down and talk to you. If she got mad at you, which she, she'd throw a hissy fit at her old coach once in a while, she'd just turn and go the other way, act like she didn't hear you, and there's nothing you could do about it. Well, Coach, in all honesty, in that atmosphere of that night, she may have had a legit complaint. That was the well, best high school girls' atmosphere I think I've ever seen. She may not have been able to hear you on that night because it was loud in there. It was packed. It was great. Yeah, there was a lot of intensity in there, huh? One of the best stories of that that I'm going to share is about your dad, Bill Kelch, is sitting at the half court line. Of course, Bill worked for the school and was took care of that gym like it was his own home. And uh, he's down there sitting right at the half court line where he always sat. And this kid was throwing his toy back and forth, and it went down there right around Bill's foot. This is right when the game started. Well, Bill picks it up and trying to help somebody. He rolls it back to the kid, and it takes a right turn and goes right out there in the middle of the half court. And they, nobody knows it. Nobody knows what's happened, but me and Bill and a couple people right around him. And they grab the microphone and say, "Will you please, people, please keep from refrain from throwing objects on the floor?" 
and and your dad's the one who had to go out and get it, and he and he they're like he's the hero, and he's the one that threw the thing out there. Uh, actually, I don't think I've heard that story. That's funny. Um, but I can see my dad now. I can see him going, oh, you know, kind of, you know, trying to throw oh, the. Oh, he was red in the face. Oh yeah, uh, he got red in the face. But I bet so. he was a hero. They thought he was the one saving the day, and he's the one that caused the mess. <laughs> That's great. But uh, coach, starting you know back after January, you know, you start out five and eight, um, and this is where I think maybe you've done your best. You would have done your best coaching job. I don't remember the. Uh, you know the specifics, but right after Christmas, starting on January seventh, you lost four straight. You lost at home to uh, you lost on the road to Paris, lost at home to Covington Holy Cross, lost at home to Mason County, and you lost on the road to, at St. Pat. And out of those four losses, you lost by an average of fourteen points. I think St. Pat was the only one possession. The others were right around the fifteen to eighteen mark. So not only did you lose four in a row. I would say out of those four, they weren't really competitive. I know 14 aren't blowouts, but it's not really a one or two possession game where you feel like you're in it and have a chance to win. So um, talk about – because after that four-game stretch, you go on a, a hell of a run to end the season. Talk about, you know, that four-game stretch and what you did in between there to, you know, get your team engaged. Because when you lose four in a row, a lot of players check out, you know. Well, we, the Northern Kentucky schools caused us to check out a lot. We didn't get really inspired to play – Villa Madonna and Holy Cross and them because it didn't mean much to the girls, them being up there in a different region and a whole another area. Pendleton counties and Fleming counties, they knew people in those teams. The Northern Kentucky schools, they didn't. So they they would check out a lot. And uh, then when we lost a close game, I believe it was the St. Pad, it was, it was, like you said, competitive. The girls were all sniping and fighting each other. And, you know, you, you can say I'm going to bench somebody or I'm going to play the one that plays the hardest, but you only got seven or eight. One, one or two of those are just there to kind of fill in a spot. So I kind of used a little reverse psychology, but also it was a little bit on – I felt – I really felt this way. I'm sitting there coaching girls' ball, and I hadn't coached it before, and they were being all sensitive and stuff, and I wasn't used to that. We have this meeting in my office because you get everybody in my office when you only got eight players. And I got into them and told them, and I meant every word of it. I said, look, there's eight people here. If you're not going to play, I don't want three of you to quit. I want at least four of you to quit. They said, four of us quit. So we don't have enough. I said, that's exactly right. If we don't have the four of us play, we don't have enough to play. I get paid. We quit this misery. You don't have to fight with each other. You don't have to fight with me. You don't have to practice. We'll just call it a day and go to the house. So then they all kind of rebelled against me. And they was all mad at me. He says, we'll show him, you know, we'll start doing something. And you see, I guess it's a roll of the dice, but I mean, every word of it too, because if they weren't going to play, there wasn't no use just coming out there for them just to argue with each other. And I, they never argued anymore. They never did anything but play hard, play together, and played smart the whole time after that. Well, whatever you did work, because as I was looking through the game-by-game -game schedule, you know, St. Pat was a team that you beat at St. Pat earlier in the year by 20, 62-42. That's at St. Pat. Or unless the, it may be wrong, they both say away. No, you got you play St. Pat at home later. So you played them three times that year. The first two were on the road. The first one you win by 20. The one you're referring to, you lost by three. So, um, like you said, you know, whatever you did, the reverse psychology, it is a gamble. You know, we as coach, you know, sometimes we use that coach speak and we try to convince our kids of one thing when we don't really mean it. But, you know, with that case, like oh, you said – was, you meant was, some of it. it. I was at that point. I meant it. You know, I, I, I had my career, was, a lot of it was behind me already, 93. I felt pretty good about myself. And I thought, we're going to do this. We're going to do it right or we're not going to do it at all. And I had the support of the people. So, uh, probably if they had quit on me, I wouldn't have the support of the people. They probably got them a new coach next day or two. But but the girls knew they was wrong. They knew on that one. They knew I was, I was telling the truth because they trusted me, if nothing else. And like you said, I mean – it's a risk. It's a gamble anytime you have that conversation because you don't know how high school kids are going to respond, let alone, you know, high school girls who like to fight and bicker with each other anyhow. But let's talk about this end of the season here. And I and I put this down in my notes as kind of the turning point of the season. You know, before I wrote this, I didn't really know the conversation you had had. I kind of heard stories from people about the uh, meeting um, that you had had with the team. I didn't really know what was discussed or, you know, how that meeting went. but you win a very close game at Pendleton County for your, you know, after four straight losses, you win um, 50 to 49. And we know 
Pendleton County is a rough place to play. And I don't remember exactly who Pendleton County had in 93. I don't know if they still had Amy Moreland and that bunch because they were a solid group of girls, but I know they had a nice team. And um, to go on the road and beat them, that's something you can build momentum and confidence from. Well, I think we were still the third best team officially. You know, you're talking about rankings and all because Bracken, I think Bracken had beaten our girls 50 some straight times, 51 straight times or something, I think it was. And then uh, Pendleton, of course, like you said, they're a good team. They had beaten them the year before. So we were probably ranked, if you were ranking in order of seeding, we'd probably been the third seeding for us to meet Pendleton would have been like to put us in the second seed, even though we didn't seed back then. So that was big just momentum-wise for us to get a feeling, hey, we're, we're the second-best team at least in this district going into tournament play. And quite honestly, a win at Pendleton after four straight losses got to be huge for momentum. And then you see where you um, – Well, now one of the beat- games we played with Bracken, the first game we played them at our place, we had lost by one point. We had free throws at, uh, at the buzzer. And he missed a free throw that would have tied up uh, or potentially beat Bracken at home. So we'd already seen everybody when we beat Pendleton. We, we knew we could beat Bracken. And then we did beat Pendleton and Deming. So we knew where we were at that point. Right. And, you know, when you go on this run at the end of the year and not even talk about the postseason here, I'm just talking to finish the regular season, you win uh, six out of seven. And your only loss that time is the Bracken County. And, you know, I want to talk about that game because I was there. I remember going because I remember how close the first game was and, you know, going out there as a freshman. And that rivalry isn't today what it used to be. In high school, I hated those guys. They hated me. I hated them. I'm sure it was the same at that point in time. You know, you got a group of girls who, you know, we've been told their biggest rivalry is Bracken County. You played them close at home. You know, nowadays with social media, they're all like best friends. You know, the social media has made a small world to where the Bracken kids hang out with the Augusta kids. That just didn't happen when I was in school. And, you know, we could go one in 25, but if we beat Bracken County, it was a successful season. Yeah, yes, you know? um, so your lone loss was to Bracken County, and I remember going to that game, and it ends up 77-41, not in the Lady Panthers' favor. Um, I remember thinking that game, you know, being it was exactly almost a month before the district tournament. And I remember leaving there. Of course, you know, we're a basketball family. I remember my dad, my brother. I remember us talking, you know, how are we going to bounce back from that? Do our girls still believe they can beat them? So after that loss being as decisive as it was, do you feel like your girls still believed you could beat them? Do you feel like being a 36-point loss that, you know, any confidence momentum you had was just thrown out the door? Or, you know, what was the thoughts at that time? No, I think if it did anything, it angered us. I think it made it, it was more motivational because it was a very physical game. Kathy, of course, uh, Kathy Cox had been out to Bracken where she'd gone to school before. And like you said, those kids, they weren't friends with each other. They, they, they scrapped a little bit with each other on their off time. So it was very physical, and we had a couple people get hurt. I can't remember who all, but we carried – I remember somebody, we kind of helped them limp off the floor, and they came back in later. I think that was Rachel, and she played a little bit more. And then she got hurt again, and – they undercut somebody on one of the plays, whether it's intentional or not. It just is still the wrong team to undercut somebody. Wasn't many fouls called. And then they had a girl, I'm trying, I don't want to say the wrong name, but they had a girl who hit like six or seven three pointers and they was trying to get her a three point record. Maybe a Godman or Well, no, um, they had um actually let me look here. I got the box score. Um Marcia Godman did play on that play, but I believe at that time it was Chastity Shepherd. She had twenty nine that night. Okay, eight of them were three-pointers, and they kept feeding her the ball, get three-pointers. So they was actually trying to kind of, you know, they was trying to set, get, get a good mark for her, you know, which that's okay. But in, in a 30-point game against your big rival, that causes some hard feelings. So we came out of there frustrated and more mad at herself than anything else. And I, I don't think, looking back on it, I know that you're sitting there thinking, boy, that takes away from your confidence you got. But I just think it lit a fire that we're not going to let this happen again. And that's a very good point. Something I didn't think about was if that's not Bracken County doing it, it may not light the same fire. You know, the fact that it was Bracken County, and like you said, you know, Chastity was a great high school player. I remember her, you know, eight three-pointers trying to get a record. I understand that. But it does nothing but motivate and light a fire. And that may have been the best thing that could have happened to you that night. You know, you don't ever want to lose by 36 to anybody, especially Bracken County. But, you know, that may have done more – good than harm and you may not recognize it at the time but you know Bracken County you know like I said the only two losses you have that's a nice players I mean 
Chastity Shepard was a nice player. If I remember correctly, going back through, um, Trudy Cooper, uh, nice player, good size. Then they had Allison McKinney, who ended up being a 10th Region Hall of Famer. They got Marsha Godman. They were both sophomores, I think, that year, uh, 10th Region Hall of Famer. Um, and Jennifer Maines, I remember, came off the bench in a game early in the year. I think she may have scored – you know, 15 to 20 against you in a game earlier on. So they had a lot of girls and, you know, but at that time, you know, Jennifer Maines went to St. Augustine, you know, had ties to Augusta with family and stuff. So like I said, back then there was a lot more animosity than there is now. Well, I think there's also probably some boyfriends involved there somewhere. I don't know all the deals. There's well, always, when you deal with girls basketball, there's always some sort of potential drama with who they go out with or something. And when you live in a, I'm being, I'm being, uh, I'm being one-sided there. It can happen to, you know, boys teams have the same problems too. So I shouldn't say it like that, but uh, guys tend to seem to me over the years, leave it for a few minutes off the court, you know, and just get to business where it gets personal. A lot of times with used to get personal with the girls. So that, that played a role in it too. I think once in a while. And when you live in a, a small County like Bratton County and you go to a small school like Augusta, there's only so many choices. <laughs> after, after you expire all those choices, you have to go to the county school or you've got to go to another county to maybe find that potential boyfriend. So, And you're right, that probably did happen. But there's that night – There's not many fishing holes in Bracken County, are there, for that? <laughs> They're dried up. Those fishing holes are dried up. But um, after that loss, you know, like I said, as a freshman in high school who considered myself to be a basketball fan and to enjoy the game, I remember leaving that gym that night kind of – dejected, hesitant, that um, I felt like that, you know, that may have pretty well set the nail in our coffin. But, you know, you did it again. Um, like after the four losses, you lose a big game, not only to your rivalry, but by a large margin. And you finish off with uh, a pretty big victory over St. Pat. You beat them 11. You beat Fleming County again. And, you know, you beat Dayton again to end the season. So three wins after that loss. But, um you know, talk I'll about that, coach. I'll tell you what that loss also did. Being a blowout, we were able to try some things that night. I do remember that that we had tried to match up out of just a regular old two-three zone a little bit, and we figured out you know they shot it too well. Like you, you was naming those names off, those girls could shoot the ball pretty good. So we said, well, we can't play traditional two-three, and we weren't we we played a little bit of one-three-one, but we couldn't only play it for just small spells. So we put that in to see if that was still effective. And then we even tried some man-to-man, -man, I remember, that night. And, of course, that's going when you only got – really only going six deep. You know, you don't want to put yourself at that predicament. When, you know, like what said, when we're going six deep, you only got six. You know, the other teams go six deep. You say, well, my eighth, ninth, tenth player's not very good. We didn't have number nine and ten. We, we, we didn't want to finish with four. I don't have a very good defensive scheme for three or four players. So, so that, but that showed us some things that night. We actually used a lot of little – triangles and twos and boxes and ones and only played traditional two, three out of bounds when we got district tournament. If we hadn't have got blown out, I might've been tempted not to use that stuff as much. And, and I guess I might've showed my hand a little bit more on a close game, you know? And, and that's true. And that's something else, you know, and that's one thing I think coaches nowadays being myself included, you know, during blowouts, we tend to sit down, we tend to kind of just want the game to get over and we don't want a bad loss get even worse with an injury that of a star player when you're, you know, the game's in out of hand, but um, that's true. It also gave you some time to uh, maybe try things that you could implement for the district tournament, but, you know, at the district tournament now, you finish your regular season at a remarkable uh, 11 and nine after being five and eight. So, um, you know, once again, like I said, a hell of a run to finish the regular season. Um, great job of keeping the girls engaged and, you know, focused, you know, like you said, after your meeting, but going into the district tournament, you'd beat Deming twice pretty handedly, even at home and on the road. Um, any concerns going into that game? I know it's always tough to play that game when you're the favorite, but before, before that coach, I want to ask you something, explain to uh, the listeners and myself, you know, I've always heard stories, but the girls district during those times was always at Augusta. Yes. What was the reasoning behind that? You know, every year the girls were able to hold the district at Augusta. The, th the boys' get district was rotated between the three other schools because they had more seating. So they would take a turn doing the, all that, and Augusta would take the, the home team every year for the girls. It was a, Actually, people got along and agreed on things. It made sense once in a while back there. And we just wanted to part of, be part of the atmosphere 
And we didn't see it so much as being the home court advantage, like for boys basketball. I know we could have won it every four years or something, but we knew our money was tied to how the crowd came in. We knew the bigger gyms would be bring more people in, but we would feel like we was part of hosting it by having the girls team every year. And it was just perfect size. Augusta was a perfect size for a girls district tournament up there. Wade Branscombe, who was referee and still referees today, I think, mm. said it was the most intense, best atmosphere he'd ever uh, refereed a high school basketball game in that night. You know, before we came on the air, before I started recording, you know, we talked about the atmosphere. And, um, you know, actually, no, we just did a while ago with Dana. And sometimes when she wanted to throw her hissy fit, you know, that night she had a reason not to hear you. It was electrifying. The crowd was great. Um, I don't necessarily remember the crowd for the first round game against Deming, but also know being at Robertson County now, and I'm sure it was similar then, um, Deming had a passionate fan base. Augusta has a passionate, a passionate fan base. So I'm sure the crowd was – you know, I'm not going to say packed like it was for the Bracken County game, but I'm sure the crowd was good. But going into that game already, winning two pretty easily. Do you have any concerns? You know, I know it's harder to win when you're supposed to win. I was scared to death. The girls once again, the girls told me to calm down. They they was just taking it for granted. And I was worried about overconfidence, but they, they had enough confidence. They knew what they was focused on doing. They had a group that had one single goal was to go to win that district tournament. And they, they, they convinced me we was going to be fine. And I told the girls, we got a good enough game plan. If you'll get us through the first game, we're going to win this tournament. And you can ask the girls. I told them that right up. And they're like, well, this is a piece of cake then because we're going to win this first game. And I'm sitting there, you know, early in the game, it's like six to four, eight to six. And I'm sitting there nervous wreck. I'm telling uh, Robin, who's helping me at that point, I'm telling him, I said, oh, we're in trouble. We're in trouble tonight. And he's like, Coach, these girls aren't worried about this long because we wind up winning by 30, I think. Uh, 73-46 was the final, so 27 points. And, uh, you know, and I can relate. The last few years when I felt like we were the uh, favorite to win the district on the boys' side, you know, in the 38th, you know, early on when you turn the ball over, you miss a layup or a shot you normally don't miss. And I just remember thinking on the sidelines, all right, here we go. They don't want this as bad as I do. They're not focused. So I focus on every mistake, not realizing the game's a marathon, not a sprint. But um, well, that's why I wanted in. That's why I wanted to work with small schools. So I'd be the underdog. I wanted to do something you weren't supposed to do. I wasn't, I, I wasn't geared up right. I wasn't built to be in, being a big dog of the whole thing. <laughs> Well, I can tell you, it's a, um, you know, and you know as well as I do now, at, when you're at a small school like Roberts County Augusta and you win a district, you know, we <laughs> they celebrate in those small towns. And we'll talk about that here in a minute because I want to get your thoughts on that. But let's talk about, um, all right, the district finals, uh, Bracken County, like I said, I know you set up a Zoom with some of your former players and some people close to the program. And during quarantine, you watched that game and um, – you know, I, that had to be special to relive that moment with, you know, I don't know who all was on that night. I, I know Dana was on because I talked to her about it. Um, I think Rachel may have been able to make it on. Um, but uh, I never told you this, but once I got the link to that, because I think you sent it to me and I wasn't able to make it. You know, when I was at Brighton County Girls, I worked with Marsha Godman and I worked with Allison McKinney. Um, as Marcia Dishar at the time. And so once I got that link, I sent it to them and invited them to take part and wanted to watch the game with us, but they politely declined and thanked me for the link, but they weren't ready to participate in that game just yet. So um, still a sore subject over there with a lot of lady bears. And um, like you said, when you'd beat a team 50 straight times or whatever it was, I'm sure it is a sore subject, but, you know, being an alumni of Augusta and always being a Panther, it's always a, a moment I'll bring up to them and rub it in when I get the opportunity. But sure. um, let's talk about that game. That game was a, a fairly low-scoring game. I mean, the 49-46 final, but if I'm not mistaken, Coach, um, midway through the third quarter, I mean, you pretty, I think you led by a couple after the first quarter, fairly close at the half, maybe a three-point game, but they were up seven early in the third. Um, any thoughts or anything you remember that what changed at the end? I know Trudy Cooper, their size – she was in a lot of foul trouble. She only played probably a handful of minutes due to foul trouble. But um, tell me your thoughts there. What, um, you know, being a district championship game, down seven in the third quarter, you got maybe some uh, – you've got to kick in with intensity and you've got to feel kind of a bit of, I guess, you know, kind of emotion going through there and how to get back in that. I believe we ran a little trap a little bit. Uh because we was getting the ball game was starting to get away from us a little bit. And we had to change up. We'd run between our two, three and our, and our uh, 
triangle and two a little bit. We'd also run where we doubled a little bit out of it or was going to try to just see what happened, make them throw the ball out, little, you know, rush a little bit, get out of their hands early and create a couple turnovers. I think our run came from at the end of the third quarter to begin the fourth because if I remember right, we hit a layup to take the lead back or at some point early in the, the first play of the fourth quarter. And I really believe it must have showed up on the Richter scale because that gym absolutely just shook when we took that lead back. And uh, we had talked to Rachel a lot. They was putting so much pressure on Rachel. We said, we've got to distribute the ball a little bit. We've got, we want you to get yours, but we've got to get some other people involved. If I remember right, a couple of people hit some big shots. And the biggest one, I think, was Angie Blevins, who I, I got to tell a story on Angie. Angie came out for ball. She's a good-sized girl. She never played before, but her, her mom and family liked basketball, and, and uh, they wanted her to be involved. First shot I ever saw her shoot in pre in preseason went completely over the over the backboard from the foul line, not not the rim, all the way over the top from the foul line. And I thought, well, that gives us something to work on. We got ways to go. And she we come down to a fast break, and she was in because Mandy Faye got a little foul trouble herself and was winded. And they threw it to Angie on the break, and we didn't know what she's going to do with it. And she shoots up out of the goal and sticks it in, and that was a big momentum thing right there. When Angie, who had averaged about 0.001 for the year, sticks in that jumper in the district finals, we said right then, boys, we're on to something here. This, this is meant to be. And that was another moment, and I remember, and I also remember the very next possession. Of course, it's kind of fresh in my mind because I just watched it. Um, after she made that bucket, the very next possession – they still kind of left her open, like um, in the half course that she was down on the block and they were kind of strong side, you know, help covering, you know, Rachel was still in the game at this time and Dana with the ball, they did a good job of trapping Dana, trying to get the ball to her hands, but they were kind of leaving Angie down on the block, wanting uh, another pass down there. Uh, she didn't get it, but um, she did get a big offensive rebound late in the game as well to give you another possession. I think that maybe somebody got fouled and hit free throws, but um well, she Mandy was a very Faye, big part. I'll tell you good on Mandy Faye. Mandy Faye was out of breath. She was just absolutely just give out. And she said, I is in the third quarter. She says, I can't breathe. I said, Well, you can hold your breath for 30 seconds. You'll be all right until the quarters are with. And she gets the ball the very next time. And she is so tired and winded. She turns around and almost like flops, getting the ball up there, and they call Cooper for her fourth foul. And uh <laughs> And she she makes two free throws out of it. It's, it's really because if she'd been strong and, and well rested, she'd probably stuck it up on the goal too hard, missed or something. But because she did, she just flung it and <laughs> caused it to fail. And you mentioned um, Mandy Faye, and Mandy Faye went four for four from the free throw line down the stretch. And you know, um, talk about Rachel fouling out. I don't, I don't remember exactly the time in the fourth, but uh. Rachel probably fouled out a lot or at least was in foul trouble a lot just by how hard she played. And I remember her fourth foul, and I was watching it hoping she didn't get a technical, but um, they called her for a little bump on and over the back that was kind of a weak bump. And I think Wade was the one that made the call, and she kind of went to him kind of pleading her case. And, you know, of course, to no avail, I don't know any referees that have ever changed their call. Um, I don't think I've ever seen that work. Uh. <laughs> no. And, you know, she kind of uh, – I think that was her fourth, and she ended up fouling out shortly after um going as a coach on the sideline in a district championship game where you've not won a district since 79 it's 93 your 2,000 point scorer fouls out um thoughts what's going through your mind other than oh hell you know well I mean what else is it well we we'd always told them we we've done that adage all those coaches do the next man up and all that kind of stuff but we, we always we never did cry about officiating and stuff. We always said if somebody fouls out, and we'd had some foul trouble during the year, you know, being on a limited roster, we'd, we'd had some foul trouble. So we told the girls just to play within themselves, and we told Dana and Kathy, do not let loose that basketball as long as you can. We got I think we had three minutes and something to have to chew up, 3.30-something if I remember right, and we had maybe a six- or seven-point lead. Uh, honestly, we'd hit some free throws down the stretch, we just sealed it a whole lot more instead of coming down to one half-court heave. Well, but, and, uh, and that's – I was nervous. I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't nervous, but also knew he's prepared. Well, and I, I'll be honest with you. I was nervous watching the game, and I knew the outcome. And <laughs> uh, But uh, and give, you know, I'll give Brad County credit. You know, once Rachel fouled out, you know, you try to get the ball in Dana's hands. You know, we talked about her leadership, being a floor general. 
Um, Coach Clayton did a good job. They ran two at her, trying to trap her to get the ball to her hands, basically saying, you know, if we're going to foul somebody, it's not going to be Dana Box. She, I don't have her numbers, but I'd say she probably shot 80% from the free throw line, just a smooth stroke. And, you know, like you said, a tremendous leader. But, you know, then she would throw it to Kathy because, Kathy, you had Dana and Kathy both up top. Like you said, kind of spread the floor. You know, don't get loose of this basketball. And she'd kind of throw it to Kathy, and they'd run to it her. So they did everything in their power trying to get, you know, the ball out of your players' hands. Um, but, you know, M Mandy Faye, like you mentioned, she hit uh, four free throws in the fourth quarter that were just absolutely clutch at, at times well, that you needed. Stacy Curtis. Stacy Curtis hit a Stacy hit a shot from the wing that I thought was a three, but her, her feet must have been on the line. I uh, gave her two, but she hit a free throw late, I think, to give you a three-point lead. Yeah, she did. And, and uh, I don't so know if you were – I think helped when you're talking about holding on. It wasn't so much that we did. We started packing that in a little bit, and they got just a little bit hesitant to try to shoot the basketball. They, uh, they, they got a little bit conservative because they knew every possession was getting a little bit more, and that actually aided us by running some time off the clock by them being patient. We didn't have to hold the ball from them very much uh, as the shot clock purists would uh, have a fit if I brought that up. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, they actually run a lot of time off themselves looking for the perfect shot and taking a lot of time off the clock. And the one thing I noticed from watching that game, and like you said, uh, it seemed like both teams, and I don't know how I would have ever made it through as a coach, um, both teams missed an abnormally a large amount of layups. Of course, the atmosphere – the district finals, a lot on the line, um, you know, and I know um, Bracken County came in beating you twice. The last one, 36, they were probably a little overconfident. So, you know what happens when overconfidence sets in, the shots don't go in, go in as easy. Um, you know, maybe, you know, your side, you're leading, um, trying to close out a game. The shots don't seem to fall as easy when you're trying to close them out as well. But um, I remember the last shot, you know, Chastity Shepard lines one up from uh, – half court and looks like it front irons on the video, like just the hair off. And I'm not so sure. That, I'm not so sure at that point in time, coach, if that goes into overtime, if you have the same result, you know, you were hanging on by a thread there when the clock ended. So what's your thoughts on that? Well, I knew all we had to do was hit one free throw and we couldn't do it. And I, and I, was, I was more worried that we was going to foul her shooting the three because we all swarmed at her that, you know, panic set in and she gets ready to pull up from the half court line. And, uh, uh, you're right. It looked good from our seat on the end zone. I thought, well, this but this baby's in there. Uh, you're talking about missing layups. Rachel Hamilton scored 2,000 points. If she'd hit layups in her life, she'd scored 3,000. I have no doubt she'd get most of her points off offensive rebounds and stickbacks after she'd just blown the layup. That girl could play, but she could not hit a layup. And it seemed like, uh, you know, she was one that could probably garner um, – four, five, six steals a game and be so fast to the other end of the floor that she could get three layups off before the defense would catch up. I remember thinking there's several nights I felt like um, Rachel probably got a double-double just on layup attempts. <laughs> um, right and I right. remember, you know, and the thing is, you know, she averaged 23 a game. And um, after that 23 a game, I think she also got 10 rebounds a game. And I'd almost bet half or more of those were offensive rebounds. Um, but you know, she, she gave a whole lot. She knew she knew she could score a whole bunch of points, and I told her for us to be good, she was going to have to give some stuff away. She's going to have to pass up some shots and make her teammates better. And she bought completely, and she did everything that a person needed to do to be a leader and be successful for that basketball team. If she'd have played the way she had brought played in previous years, what I've seen a little bit on tape, and tried to just be the whole show we wouldn't have been near as successful. We were successful because she was willing to compromise and give of herself a little bit, and that speaks highly of her. And and it does. And, Coach, you know, that's what that's what your best players do, and that's when you know you have a special team when a player like Rachel who could probably get and lead in any individual category that she was desired to do, that she's willing to take a back seat that, to make the team better. And, and ultimately that's probably a big part of why you were able to – to win the district tournament is because of selfless acts that Rachel, Dana, and even Kathy, because I'll be honest, Kathy Cox had a lot of big games for you that year, able to shoot the basketball, made a few big shots in the district finals. So, um, well, I think, I think that's what makes the, that's what makes it special to coach kids like that is, and it, it brings you closer together because you knew that there was some sacrificing going on. It just wasn't all one side and doing what, 
the coach wanted to do or just what the players wanted to do. It was a, it was really a whole combination of things working together, and that just makes a very special relationship between the team. That, that's the ones that stand out, whether we'd won the district or not. That really stands out with that group, how much they did sacrifice for each other. And I do remember, you know, being in school, you know, that probably did make them tighter. They were, you know, a lot of those girls were friends. You know, like you said, they probably bickered and fought and, you know, did those things too. But, you know, the district championship and the way they played toward the end of the year, I, I'd almost bet if you asked each one of them today, it would talk about how it brought them closer. And, you know, I still see pictures of Rachel, Dana, Kathy all hanging out together. So I'm sure those relationships formed then are still important today. Um, but, you know, Afterwards, um, I sit there and I, I looked on video. It got kind of nostalgic for me. I see my dad on the floor. And, you know, being a big Augusta fan as he was, I, I'm glad that he got to witness that moment because, you know, I'm special to him. But, you know, I saw me on the floor in our old orange warm-ups, our shooting shirts. Yes, I, see me, I see me running around. I see Charlie, Ron Ralph, these guys coming up hugging you. Um just the storming of the court, you know, no matter where I go, where I teach, where I finish my career, I'm always an Augusta Panther. And I'll always be able to, uh, you know, look back at that moment and, you know, talk about how special it was. But, you know, to watch that on film, it's nostalgic to um, just see some of the people that have passed on that were there and enjoyed that. And just talk about that celebration on the floor. And Well, let me go backwards. Let me let me tell about one celebration. The, the best cake I've ever eaten in my life. Now, is we'll talk about that here in a minute, Coach. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Don't jump the gut on it. Talk about it. Because you know, the party on the floor just never stopped. Yeah, just yeah. like how – how um, can you hear me? Yes, sir. You're okay. good. Just, you know, as soon as the horn sounded – um. It was just like a mad rush. And, you know, and yeah. I remember at the time hearing people um, talk about they were concerned because, like you said, the people out in Brooksville didn't necessarily associate, hang out with. I think for the most part probably respected the people in Augusta and vice versa. But I remember thinking, and I don't know if there was any kind of altercations or what, but I remember thinking all these people out on the floor at the same time um, – may not be a good idea, but it seems like other than a few maybe verbal altercations or hand gestures or what you will. Um, there, was, there was some hand gestures. I don't know what they all meant, but there were some hand gestures. And <laughs> I'm not sure what, what they meant either, but the uh, looks on the face of the people giving them, they didn't appear to be friendly. So, Well, you, uh, we was looking for a pair of scissors to cut the net. Your brother found some, a couple of people that had a knife, and I said, well, "I think we'll I think we'll stick to the scissors if that's okay with everybody." You know, I can't imagine somebody pulling. You know, that's Augusta. That's Augusta right there. You know, getting your ladder out, climbing the ladder, and don't have your scissors. So somebody pulls out a pocket knife, probably a little hunting blood on it as well. There, here you go. Go <laughs> use this. You yes, know, wipe that blade off before you use that. And I remember, you know, I remember, like you said, it's like the party never stopped. You know. I remember, you know, watching the video to see the people on the floor. I remember the announcing, and when they say district champions and they announce, you know, the Augusta Lady Panthers, it's just, it's like chaos, but in a good way. It's like, you know, I can't even talk about it. I get goosebumps talking about it now because of the importance of it at the time. And, you know, being a, you know, a longtime Augusta fan in person, you know, district championships don't knock on the door very often. The opportunity to play in them, let alone capture the coveted prize. So once the the party ended at the gym, which I'm not for sure how long that was, you know, that's probably one of the nights my mom allowed me to stay up later than I was supposed to because of the significance of the event. But then we go to the Corner Cafe, and I've heard a lot of stories about the party at the Corner Cafe. If I'm not mistaken, I think somebody already had the, the back room or at least had part of the Corner Cafe reserved, didn't they? Well, they, they, we had a cake, and they served me a piece of it, and it looked kind of funny to me. And it was in red and blue, and it said Bracken County on it. They'd already reserved them a room and a cake to eat that night. And uh, they got so mad they just didn't show up and get it, I guess. But, uh, oh, it was awful good cake. They, they, they knew exactly what to order out there. I remember my dad telling me it was the best piece of cake he'd ever tasted. And, um, <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, didn't the cake say something about district champions? Yes, it, it already had the title there. They, the championship belt had already been claimed, but they had to give it up that night. It, but it was 
we split that cake up, made sure none of it went to waste. Any of us did. I'm sure, you know, looking at me back then, I probably had three or four pieces of cake myself. I probably wasn't shy around the, the table. But um, I would just remember, you know, the Corner Cafe. I remember the cake. I remember, you know, a plate of hamburgers that was already cooked, ready to go for the party that, you know, the corner already being reserved. And um, at that point in time, I probably thought it couldn't happen to, a you know, a, a better group of people. On both ends, you know, you know, count your chickens before they hatch, you know, and right. then, you know, us being able to uh, kind of go in and eat the food that they already had reserved. You know, I'm sure it was a uh, a special moment. And and if I'm not mistaken, and maybe you can attest to this, I'm not so sure the party ended at the Corner Cafe, did it? No, Bill Kells actually hosted a little get together. that He wasn't going to let that moment pass to have a good time for the night. Uh, my dad. Music my dad, and I'm, I'm so glad, though, the biggest thing was all the, my girls were so well-behaved. I walked in there, and they yelled, coach is coming, coach is coming, and everybody was just so on their best behavior and, and sitting there drinking soft drinks and everything. It was, just, it was just really nice to see that kind of atmosphere. Well, if I know my dad well enough, it probably wasn't because he offered him soft drinks. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, I'd say my dad probably offered him a Pabst Blue Ribbon a time or two, and that, you know, he – he bled Augusta orange and black and there wasn't no convincing him otherwise, but, uh, um, kind of wrap it up family, here. That was good. You're talking about the, the people that, uh, that, that meant a lot too. It meant a lot to me that people like your family and some of those other families we've mentioned before that had, had been long suffering. And we, we actually talked about how for those 51 teams or 51 losses in a row, how that we need to celebrate it not just for us, but for all those people who didn't get a chance to do that sort of thing. I'm really nostalgic that way. And the older I get, the worse it, worse it gets. But, but there's a lot of people who just was in the wrong place at the wrong time who deserved as much or more respect than like a team we had did. That given the set of circumstances, they've been a big part of a program like that. So we need to remember the people that come that way that didn't get that chance to celebrate and enjoy it for them as well. And, and the people they reciprocate for that and enjoy it back. And, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't believe that I was nostalgic until I watched the video and, you know, you know, I saw everything, even from the colorful video camera men that you had uh, filming the game for you and some of the colorful language, you know, that they've grown up to be some good friends. And, um, and then, you know, like I said, seeing my dad and seeing, uh, you know, just some people that I, you know, I went to school with that I haven't seen in a while. And it, you know, the older I get, the more nostalgic I get as well. And it was, I mean, I'm glad you sent me the link. It's something I'll keep. I'll probably watch it more times here on out, but um, it's, you know, I'll be honest with you, something I'm going to push for. And I don't, I don't know why it didn't happen before, but you know, here coming up, you know, we passed the 25 anniversary. You know, of course, we got a couple more years. I guess 23, we could get the 30 year anniversary. I would love to get a lot of that group back and recognize them at a game because, you know, a lot of those people are still around. I'd like yeah. to do that before it gets too late. Um, and, I, and I think that'd be great. It, it'd be a joy to me just to see them in a, I mean, you can say we're all going to get together, but it's hard to get everybody, you know, you can't already get family together, much less get seven or eight families has gone their separate ways. But if you get them in something like a ball game where, where it actually means something to that, that uh, I think that'd be a great thing if that would ever happen. And I'm, I'm going to push for, you know, I don't have any connections to Augusta. I don't work there or anything, but you know, I'm, I bleed orange and black deep down. So I'm going to do my best to make that happen. But as you know, I mean, you remember the group I graduated with, we had eight guys and we were pretty close in high school, all eight of us. And, um, I don't know how many times we said after graduation, you know, we're still going to hang out. We're still going to be the best of friends. We're still going to do this. We're still going to do that. And, you know, we don't do it near enough. And, you know, you get married, you have families, everybody gets jobs, careers, they move away, they go separate ways. It's not easy to do. And like you said, you know, at events like basketball games is probably the best to be able to do that. And, you know, a district championship at Augusta, the only second time in school history on the girls' side, it needs to be recognized. It needs to be commended. And I want to make sure it's done while everybody is still able to be there and enjoy it. Well, and one of the things, too, you know, your team was very special to me when I was coaching one of my favorite teams ever. And I was looking back, I'm sitting there thinking, well, this bunch was a very special team, and this bunch is a very special team. I think it gives you a clue on when you're in a small school 
when you do things that you not, not don't normally do all the time, that it has a very good opportunity for a lot of special moments to be there. I'm glad I got more special teams that I've worked with than not enough special teams. Does that make sense? They don't have to be just one team you enjoy. I've enjoyed a lot of players, a lot of teams throughout the years, and that that always be. And like you said, being nostalgic, the older I get, the more special those moments become. And you're right because, uh, you know, now that I'm out of coaching and um, kind of taking a back seat, I've reflected quite a bit. You know, I had some great girls teams at Bracken County, and a lot of those teams reminded me a lot of the group I graduated with, seven or eight seniors on a team, very tight-knit, very close. They're having families now. They're, um, you know, some of them are coaching basketball. Some of them uh, have their own careers. And then at Robertson County, you know, I just had a group of seniors with eight that was a lot like my class that was very successful, two districts, two class A's. But, you know, that night at Augusta in 93 when I watched on film reminded me and brought me back to just a few months ago or even, you know, when we won a district tournament at Robertson County. Those things don't happen often. You know, Robertson County's won maybe four or five, six on the boys' side, but they don't happen every year. So when it does happen, it means something. It's special to the community, special to the school, special to the team, the players. It's just something that I don't think you can put a, a, a price tag on as far as how special it is. And you know what I also like? If I just see a player somewhere with his family, if I can tell his son or his daughter or her son or her daughter, your, your mom was a good player. Your daddy played on a district championship team. Your mother was a shooter. Your dad, boy, he played. He, he was the best defensive player I ever had. It brightens that kid. That kid just really lights up and looks at their dad or mom in a special way. And also that mom and dad, you see that sense of pride. Yeah, yeah I, guess I, I guess I was pretty good, wasn't I? You know, it kind of reinforces something that nobody pays attention to on a daily basis, but it brings out that it did mean something to somebody at some time at that point. And you know how kids are nowadays. They don't believe a word their mom or dad tells them. So if they hear it from somebody else, it probably means a little bit more. But, uh, Coach, it's 818. Um, we got NFL football to watch tonight. We're both big fantasy guys. We got to keep in, keep track of this team, you know, this game tonight. But I do want to thank you for taking the time out of your night. I know we're both busy, but, you know, it means a lot to me to get on here and hear you discuss and talk about, you know, this team that deserves the recognition they get. But uh, thank you once again for dedicating your time, and I appreciate you coming on. Well, it means a lot to me that you would think that was important enough to bring a broadcast about, that it means something special to you. You'll always be a special player to me, Patrick. You was a very good one. I'll tell your kids in case they don't listen to you, you were a very good <laughs> basketball player. And anybody out there that don't know it, they should see some tape of you sometime. Yeah. Well, we won't bring those back out. I was a little bit skinnier then. I won't bring that out. I want anybody to see that I've uh, kind of put on the old quarantine 29 or whatever and, and then some. But uh, uh, once again, Coach, appreciate it. Thank you for your time.